Good morning and welcome to worship from Creef Parish Church. Over this past week I've been watching something of the Democratic uh, Political Party Convention in the United States, seeing Kamala Harris and Joe Biden being nominated by that party as their candidates for Vice President and President of the United States. It must be very strange for these uh, political parties to have to hold conventions in almost empty halls, for the speakers to be talking to just a, a few press and, and news folks rather than the, the crowds of people who normally give the energy and the vibrancy to these events. It's very similar for those of us who are worship, leading worship uh, over the internet and, and by, by other means just now. It's uh, detached from the normal experience of coming together, seeing faces, being alongside folks in their congregation. And I miss that. So what a joy it is for me to know that you are still watching and listening to this. And once again, joining in our family worship week by week. You've been telling me that on the doorstep as I've met with you and also down in the High Street at the Creef Connections Hub and it's been lovely to have these conversations one-on-one. -on -one. Sunday mornings in our home we sit together and we sing and we pray and we read and we listen to God's Word. In the first letter of John, John says this, We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding to know the true God. In these conversations I've had with some of you over the past week, I know that one or two of you are ready to come together for in-person worship, but there are many others who don't feel it's safe enough yet. You might be wanting to come, but you don't feel ready to come. And so I want to assure you that we're going to be continuing with these services in video and on audio, and you can watch them on your laptops and your phones and your tablets, your TVs. You can listen to podcasts and you can listen to the services over the phone for some time yet. I want to reassure you that we'll be continuing with these services as we move forward. And as we come together wherever we are, we know that there are others in our congregation who are doing the same and we're united with them. This morning in our service we're going to be continuing in the book of Acts. We're getting close to, to ending our studies uh, for now in the book of Acts. And as we, we look at this passage this morning, of course we don't have Luke in person with us to tell us the story. It's, he is detached in time and in geography from us. He is not there to show us and tell us the, the story of the early church. But we do have that story. It's part of God's greater story. It's written down for us in the Bible. Of course, we can't be there moving into Europe with Paul and Silas, with Timothy and Luke. We can't be there experiencing the events in person, but we can still fully engage with them as the Holy Spirit continues to open to us the written words making it for us God's living word. And it's in God's word, the Bible, that you and I meet with God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And that's not a virtual meeting. It's not a distant meeting. It's very real. It's very personal for those of us who are in Christ. So whoever we are, wherever we are, Whenever and however we are sharing in this and these services, we are together, for we are in the holy presence of God. And our rightful response is one of worship. So let's pray and let's sing to the Lord.
we pray together saying, Almighty God, you have taught us that without love, all our doings are worth nothing. Send your Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of love, the true bond of peace and of all virtues. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Chapter 18 
After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent-maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who had heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching. Earlier this month, our moderator Martin Fair led two services for us in which he asked questions of identity and purpose. Who am I? Why am I here? And the answer, of course, is that many of us find our identity in Jesus Christ. And one of the purposes of our life is to share Jesus with others. In our Alpha course last Monday night, we were talking uh, about how and why we should share the gospel. And there's an energy and there's an enthusiasm for that when we first come to faith. It's something wonderful that we have discovered and so we naturally want to share it. As we saw last week, God can lead us best when we are moving. Sometimes God guides us by saying yes, sometimes by saying no. Sometimes we're guided through triumph, at other times it's through trial. But it's as we are moving that God uses you and me to do great things for his purpose, for the growth of the kingdom. And yet, over time, it's easy for our dreams and for our prayers for the church and for the lost and for the community that God has placed us in to get that little bit smaller and smaller and smaller over time. Why is that? Well, if we're honest, many of us would probably admit to seeing our vision for God using us for his kingdom purposes grow smaller at times. People that we've prayed for every day when we first were first saved, we, we've stopped praying for. People we used to share the gospel with, we've stopped sharing the gospel with them where we once find ourselves stepping outside our comfort zone quite regularly to serve the Lord in some new way, now it seems that we rarely do so. Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, is a book that reminds us that God's desires for reaching this world with the gospel are far, far bigger than ours. And God desires to use ordinary people like you and me and ordinary churches like ours to to reach out to people with the gospel 
His uh, desires for doing that are far bigger than ours. But the way he's chosen to do that is to take our weak and ineffective human effort and combine it with his strong and, and mighty hand to advance the gospel to reach the lost. Now, of course, God doesn't need us to do anything, but he has chosen to use us, to use us human instruments, our human uh, effort in conjunction with his power to further his kingdom, his kingdom work. So what we see in Paul's life, what we see in Acts 17 and 18 and 19, is that the Apostle Paul works hard to reach Athens and Corinth and Ephesus, all the while trusting God to do the work. And it's that combination of human effort and dependency on God that we encounter in the book of Acts. There are many people today, of course, who reject the gospel, not because they believe it to be false, but because they perceive it to be trivial. And so in Acts 17, for instance, in the city of Athens, we see the Apostle Paul proclaiming God in all his fullness as creator, as sustainer, as ruler, as father, as judge. You see, we can't preach the gospel of Jesus without a good doctrine of God or the cross without a good doctrine of creation or salvation without an understanding of judgment. We need the full gospel of scripture, what the Apostle Paul calls the entire plan of God. And then moving on to Acts 18 and 19, we see Paul in the city of Corinth and Ephesus. And again, we see that blend of human effort on the part of Paul and a strong confidence in and dependency on God. Let me point out three evidences of this in Paul's life that you and I can imitate today. Firstly, Paul persuaded people, depending on God, to move their hearts to believe. Wherever Paul went, he worked hard to persuade people to believe. He wasn't always very confident in doing so. We're told that he was, he was afraid at times, but he did it nonetheless because he knew that God was working with him. In Corinth, it says he, he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and he tried to persuade the, the Jews and the Greeks. In Ephesus, it says he entered the synagogues and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Paul, in fact, spent years in these places, hour upon hour upon hour, day upon day, week upon week, telling people about Jesus, reasoning with them, giving them a proper understanding of the fullness of God. In 21st century Scotland, you and I live in a culture that tells us that there are some things we should believe and some things we should embrace, and yet at the same time there's a distaste for debate or for people who want to share the gospel message too strongly, a message that often runs counter to today's mores. A part of this is because we live in a relativistic age that doesn't believe that there is a truth that can be known, so no one should hold too dogmatically to anything, and in that sense pretty much anything goes. 
of course, as Christians, we should never be argumentative or obnoxious. But we do need to recognize that the gospel calls us to try to persuade people to believe in Christ. And as long as people are willing to dialogue in a reasonable way, we should be bold to explain and to reason with them about Christ in effort to persuade them. What we read of the Apostle Paul is that we see he reasoned strongly and boldly and persuaded some and he angered some others. The pattern from city to city was that a significant number of Jews would become so angered and so offended by the gospel that they would begin to revile and to persecute Paul and, and he would have to leave in order to preach to others, particularly to go to preach to the Gentiles and to that smaller number of Jews who would continue to listen. As long as there is a willingness to engage, as long as there is a willingness to listen, even to debate, the gospel calls us to reason and to persuade people. For some of us, this is where we need to grow. We're silent when we should be speaking. The Apostle Paul persuaded, depending on God, to move their hearts to believe. And then, secondly, we see that Paul pressed on. Just as we were told last week we had to keep moving in order for God to use us, Paul pressed on, trusting God to be with him in his labour. And we see that he pressed on through his fear. As Paul shared the gospel, he met with many obstacles along the way. And the first obstacle that he encountered in the city of Corinth might surprise us, but it can also encourage us. We're told as Paul entered Corinth, he struggled with fear. Now, we don't think of the mighty apostle Paul being afraid of anything, but actually he had to press on through significant fear. In two of the cities he worked in before coming to Corinth, in Thessalonica and Berea, he had to leave because the opposition got so hot. Now he comes to Corinth, which is known for its wealth and its immorality. And he would tell them later that he came in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And that explains why the risen Christ would appear to him in a vision in verse 9 and 10 and encourage Paul, do not be afraid but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. If you or I were to give in to fear, it's something that would silence us. Fear of offending people, fear of having them think badly of us, that kind of fear will keep us from witnessing uh, the gospel to others. Fear of risking failure keeps us from trusting God to use us in ways that force us to step out of our comfort zones. And Jesus spoke to that fear, as God so often does in the Old Testament, assuring Paul that he was with him. And so the very next verse tells us that Paul spoke and spoke and spoke. He spoke for the next year and a half, almost non-stop. Now, faith may not always remove that fear from our hearts, 
Sometimes, though, it helps us to press on through the fear, trusting that God is with us. And that's enough. And then we also see that Paul pressed on in perseverance. He stayed in Corinth, ministering for a year and a half. He stayed in Ephesus for two years. He took time to plant churches in these regions and he persevered for the long haul. Seeing God touch people's lives and bring them to Christ sometimes takes time, sometimes a lot of time. And we simply need to press on and persevere. Connecting people to Jesus Christ and then helping them to grow as disciples of Christ isn't often easy, even though God is powerfully working in and through us. It isn't easy and therefore we need to persevere for the long haul. I wonder, is there some area of serving the Lord that you are growing discouraged in? Is there some person that you are ready just to give up on? You know, as individuals and, and even as a, a church family, we might feel that we have cast the net over and over and over again. But at the bidding of Jesus, we must cast our nets out yet again, knowing that when he bids, there will be a great catch. You know, Jesus told his disciples and he sent them out into the world that, that he would be with them. He told Paul as he commanded him not to be afraid, but to continue speaking that he would be with him. And Jesus tells those of us who are Christians today, you and me, that he is with us. So press on, don't give up. Then thirdly and finally, we see that Paul planned and strategized depending on God to direct his steps. Yes, sometimes the, the God just intervened as they were moving forward and God does that with us. We need to be moving in order for God to intervene and do the new thing. But we also see in the Acts of the Apostles and in Paul's letters that Paul planned out strategically how his life could have the greatest impact for the gospel. He didn't end up in the most influential and heavily populated cities by accident. Paul was a strategist. As he gets to this point, he resolves in the spirit to pass back through Macedonia, where he has met with fierce opposition and had to flee and get back to Jerusalem. And looking ahead, Paul determines that God is calling him to go to Rome. That's Paul's plan. That's the Holy Spirit's plan. Paul is planning while listening to the Spirit of God. And what we see from this is that God desires to use ordinary believers like you and me to carry on the unstoppable mission of Jesus Christ. There is a plan for our lives. Now we can't do it without him, but he chooses to do that work through us. So are we ready, brothers and sisters, to dedicate ourselves afresh to his work? Are we ready to sacrifice for his work? Are we ready to pray for the, the labour fields and for God to send out the labourers? Are we ready to go ourselves? Are we ready to work in the areas of service that God already has us working in with a fresh sense of faith and dependence? You see, God in his wisdom and in his goodness chooses to combine our weak efforts 
with his powerful effort to reach the lost with the gospel. As we go into this coming week then, let's ask God to help us do our part, depending on him to faithfully do his part. Let's pray together. Living God, whose name is mercy, we acknowledge that we live in dependence on your mercy. Hold us and all whom you call in your gentle keeping. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Living God, through whom we receive mercy, we respond to your gracious gift and we offer our lives afresh in your service and in the service of others. Accept us as we are and embrace us in your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Living God as the one who inspires mercy, make us ever merciful to others. As we respond to the challenge of these times, may we live out our calling ever conscious of the body of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. <laughs> 
living God who wills to be merciful to all, renew our calling to worship you in the place where we are, whether in shared company or in our own company. Receive our worship through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Living God, whose name is mercy, may your name be known throughout the world as those who have received mercy. May your name be known in the place where we are. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. This we pray in Jesus' name, bringing the prayers of our hearts from these past days for friends and family, for places and situations near and far. And we pray together as your family, praying as Jesus taught his friends to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, friends, we uh, hope to see some of you. Uh, at the Creef Connections Hub at 19 High Street next Saturday. It's the uh, opening celebration. And over the next year, it will be a great witness of God's love to our community. You can drop in at any time, but particularly you're invited to join Elizabeth and her team uh, for that opening celebration next Saturday, 10 till 1 p.m. Next Sunday, we come to the end of our current studies in the Book of Acts. So you might like to read through these last nine chapters, Acts 20 through Acts 28, as we prepare to go to Rome and beyond. So until we gather again for worship or until we see each other during the week, may you know the blessing of God, the ever-present Father, the ever-living Son, the ever-active Holy Spirit, to descend upon you and to remain with you now and always. Amen.